0: We're in this series on comeback. It's never too late for a comeback. And today, specifically, I'm going to be speaking on this thought of coming back from failure. How many of you know what it is firsthand to experience failure? Raise your hand. Come on, be honest. We've all been there before. We've experienced failure. Maybe you've had a moment where you were like, What was I thinking? Like this one picture I saw of a dude who got a tattoo, he had to, after second thought, wonder what was he thinking. Let me show you this picture. Here's what this first one looked like. Look at this. Never don't give up. I don't think that's what he meant. I don't know how that happened, but I don't think that's what he was after. Maybe you've had some moments where, like, that's not exactly what I had in mind, or that didn't go as planned, or that's not what I imagined, or that's not what I pictured. Or sometimes our our mistakes, or our failures, are, are, are silly. Sometimes they're serious. Sometimes they're significant. Sometimes kind of lighthearted. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you have ever been in a situation before, maybe a formal situation, a quiet dynamic, and you got the giggles and you started laughing and you couldn't stop going? Cool. Anybody ever had that happen before? Have you? Notice that the more formal the setting, the more difficult it is to stop laughing. Have you ever had that happen? You know you're not supposed to be laughing at the meeting. Maybe you've had it happen in church. I don't know. Listen, if I'm preaching and you get the giggles, you just go ahead, all right? You just go ahead and laugh. I'll laugh with you. Hey, listen, I laughed one time in the middle of a wedding, but you want to know what made it really bad is I was the pastor leading the wedding, and I still was up there laughing. It was just bad. One time when I was growing up, when I when I was in high school, I was at our, our church musical we were doing. I was a part of our church musical that we were doing, and the church was packed that night. I mean, it's just like packed for the big production that the students were going to be doing, and, and the whole uh, musical was coming down to the climax at the very end. It was going to be this point where this friend of mine was talking about all of his pain and all that he was going. Going through and and how he is looking for hope and I'm supposed to be talking about how I have found hope and how how I don't have to face my pain alone and and he's supposed to say well well who is that friend that you're talking about and all I had to say was Jesus he's my best friend that's all I had to say and then I was going to sing the closing number which would have been interesting but it make this whole thing even more escalated my mom was the director she was going right there, front and center. So can you imagine the look that she was giving me when it got down to the most important part of the whole musical? And we got down, and I don't even know what my friend said. I don't know what triggered it, but I just kind of started getting... <laughs> <laughs> then I'm looking down, trying to play it off like I'm crying. Yeah, man, that's bad. That's bad. Well, while I was doing that, I forgot my lines. I forgot what I was supposed to say, and it's just going to be my line his line, and then Jesus, he's the best friend that I ever had. But man, when I forgot mine, it threw him off. And so now I don't even remember what I, I was just, I was just trying to get through it. Then all of a sudden he looked at me like, that's not the line. But instead of rolling with what I said, he just went with his same thing that he was supposed to say. I don't even remember what I said, but it was something like this, something like, man, really? Well, tell me about it. And he's like, Oh, really? Who is he? I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where it's going back and forth, you know, like not making sense. And so I just said, Jesus, he's my best friend. You know, I stood up and tried to sing. It was just bad. I would call that a silly failure. My mom would call it a sinful failure. But anyway, there, there are some that are more serious than others, some that are more significant. But failure visits us all. Can you say amen to that? It's not something that's welcomed or enjoyed, but it is something that is true and real and a part of life. Unfortunately, at some point you've probably encountered it. Maybe it was one day in school and the failed test, or a failed driver's test, or a failed to make the team. Perhaps you were given a responsibility and you failed to take care of it and you disappointed yourself or you disappointed others. Maybe you failed to make a good decision and your poor decision affected you and it affected others. Failure is a part of life. As a matter of fact, here on this day, when we all gather together like this, and even those watching online, this room is filled with stories and people who have failed. We failed in school, we failed in business, we failed in our marriages, we failed in our finances, we failed as parents, we failed as friends. It's not that we like to fail, we don't like to fail. We, we don't like the way it feels when we fail. It's embarrassing. It's discouraging. It's disheartening. It's shameful. When our failure affects others, we feel guilt over letting somebody else down. But since failure visits us all, it's important to know how to respond when and if we fail. How many of you have discovered that when you fail, that the enemy is right there in your head, talking into your ear, trying to tell you that you cannot overcome your failure? You ever experienced that before? Where the enemy's trying to convince you that a comeback isn't possible for your situation? He wants to lie to you. He wants you to think that your failure is final or that your failure is fatal. He wants you to think that there's no way out and you'll never bounce back. But how many of you are thankful today that we serve the God of the comeback? Are you thankful for that? And the point of this series is because of his comeback, you and I can experience our own comeback. Because of what he did, we too can experience that victory. How many of you know that the Bible says, the Word of God says in Proverbs Proverbs, that though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets up every time. Somebody say, "Get get up. See, even a righteous person falls down. But a righteous person in right standing with God with the right relationship realizes that you were never meant to live a life down, but God wants you to get back up. And when I study my Bible, I see that it's filled with great men and great women of God who love God, who worship God, who follow God, who serve God, and yet still failed. So the issue is not did they fail, but how were the wise ones able to bounce back? What did their comeback look like? And so today I want us to look at the story of Simon Peter. This is coming out of the book of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 26, we're going to be looking. I'm going to show you three things about his story that I hope will encourage you and yours. It's first how he failed, secondly how he fled, and then third and finally how he was forgiven. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 26, let me give you some context This is Simon Peter following Jesus at a distance. And you'll remember just a little bit before this, Jesus, before he was arrested, before he was crucified, he was telling his disciples, hey, it's about to get rough. I'm about to be betrayed. I'm about to be handed over to our enemies. They're going to crucify me and as they come to get me, you guys are going to scatter. You're all going to run. And as, they're saying, as he's saying that to them, telling them what's about to happen, he's even trying to warn Peter. And He's like, Peter, listen, you got to be careful. Peter's like, Lord, I don't know about these other knuckleheads because I know what you mean. Some of them, I, I think they're a little shaky. Yeah, I know they're probably not going. But for me, I'll never disown you. Simon Peter says, even if I have to die for you, I will die for you. I will die with you. And Jesus says, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now you continue on with the story. Jesus was arrested. The disciples did flee. They, they deserted. They, they just went in different directions. And Peter's following from a distance. And he's watching as Jesus has been arrested. And now he's being mocked. They're spitting in his face. Peter's seeing this. And look at what happens in Matthew chapter 26, verse 69. It says, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again, this time with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Verse 74 says, Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. I can't imagine like like what it must have felt like in that moment to have failed because as you just continue to read the account after Jesus had warned him after G- uh, Peter with so much bravado and said I don't know about everybody else but I will never deny you. I will stand by you I will die for you and now here he is as he's scared as he's watching Jesus uh, go through this unjust treatment and he's seeing this and somebody comes up and tries to associate with him with Jesus he goes I, I don't know what you're talking about and somebody else comes up and says wait 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 you do you're one of his followers like i don't even know him and then a few minutes later another one comes up and now he's cursing he's swearing and he's like i don't even know the man and it says in the book of luke that when he said that that the rooster crowed and immediately it says that jesus turned and looked at peter And Peter's eyes locked with his. And Peter knew, I failed. I can't relate to what it would feel like to look into the eyes of Jesus, the Son of God, love personified, and know that here in this moment, I just denied that I even knew you. I can't imagine how devastating he must have felt with his failure. But can I just be honest with you? The sad reality is, unfortunately, I can relate all too well. With what it means because of my own personal failures in my life, can you relate? Times when we know what to do and we don't. We know what we shouldn't do, but we do it. And times when we talked a better game than we played, we preached a better gospel than we lived. Have you ever had a case to where your behavior didn't match your belief? Have you ever found yourself sitting in a situation to where you had promised one thing, but then you performed another? Failure. We didn't trust God or we didn't obey God. Maybe God spoke to you and said, get out of that unhealthy relationship. This is toxic. This is not good. But we don't do it because we're afraid of being alone or unloved. And now we're paying the price. And we're like, I knew better. I would have, should have, could have. Maybe it's in the area of trusting God with your finances and you know what God has told you to do to honor him with your finances, but you're afraid, what if I don't have enough and, and you can't trust and obey God and when there's not a blessing on it, you're realizing, man, I'm the one making these decisions. I'm failing to do what I know to do. Maybe it's in the area of baptism. You've said yes to Jesus, you're a follower of Jesus. You know that his word says, I want you to make a public declaration. I want you to let the world know that you've decided to follow him. But for whatever reason, we just make up a list of excuses, but we don't do what we're supposed to do. And here's what happened. Instead of obedience to God pulling us closer to him, what happens is our, our, our failure to obey God is causing us to have distance from him. Can you relate to this? Because this is what happens when we allow our failures to go left unchecked. And then we just fail and we don't do anything about it. Failure starts to separate us from the Lord. And that's exactly what happened for Simon Peter. Look at it. Not only that he failed, but number two, he fled. Back to Matthew chapter 26, verse 74. It says, then he began to call down curses and he swore to them. I don't know the man, immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. And look at what it says. It says, and he went outside and wept bitterly. He had promised to die for Jesus. And after shamefully denying that he even knew the Lord, he ran As you follow Peter's story over the next few verses and chapters of Scripture, you'll see that he ran from his calling, he ran from that relationship, he ran from his point of failure, and it says that he went back to what he was used to, what he was familiar with. He went back to his old self, his old ways, and he returned to his fishing business. You remember when Jesus came to him and Peter left his fishing business? He left his nets, he left his boat to follow Jesus. And now at his point of failure, he's afraid, he's scared, he's confused, he's discouraged, he's ashamed, and so he runs away. He not only ran out and wept bitterly, but now he's running back to his old ways because he's going back to what he is used to. Have you ever found yourself doing that? When you fail God, instead of running to him, you're running away from. And when you've messed up, the enemy's right there going, you're such a failure, you may as well keep on. So instead of looking to God to get you out, you're going deeper in the very thing that you're drowning in. You ever found yourself doing that? And so for Peter, he fled, he ran, which is so human nature. This is so, we all would have to work to overcome this. We all have to be aware of this. Think about this, it's it's human nature. How many of you have ever heard of a bank robber who robbed a bank and then went sat down on the sidewalk to count his money? Anybody ever heard of that? It's not human nature. They flee the scene of the crime. They run, and it goes all the way back to the garden, right, with Adam and Eve. When they sinned, what does it say they did? They tried to hide from God. So they sinned, and he's like, hey, over here she's like he'll find us over here he's like yeah you're right over here like no that's the second place he's going to check this is hilarious where are you going to hide from God but it's our human nature we mess up we want to run we want to hide we go home we close the door we close the shades we turn off the light it's still not comfortable so we go back in our room we close the door we lock the door Turn off the light, and we still can't hide us, so we go in the closet, we close the door, turn off the light, get down in the corner behind our clothes, and then all of a sudden, God says, why are we in your closet? (laughs) Because you can't hide from God, which is funny. Why do we run from someone we can't get away from? It's because we don't realize that the one we're running from is the one we should be running to. And when you feel like God's chasing you, it's not because he's mad at you. He's mad about you. God loves you. And some of you may find yourself today on the run, running from God because you think that he's mad, that he's angry over your failure. Can I just remind you of something? That God knew everything that you were ever going to do before he even created you. Do you think that when you messed up, God's looking at you going, I I thought we're going to work out. You know, I thought, but you've turned out to be a total loser, so I'm going to go ahead and have to cut off the relationship at this point. Do you think for a second that your failure, I'm not saying he's excited about my failure. I'm just telling you that he's not surprised by it. And he loves me so much that while I was yet a sinner, he died on the cross for my sins. He paid the price for my sin, for my failures, for my disobedience. He says, Scotty, I still love you. You've got to hear this. Your past failure does not diminish God's love, not a single bit. No matter how bad, how dirty, how wrong, it has not affected his love for you. Before I move on, I need that to resonate in somebody's heart. I need somebody to hear that because you think because you have failed that he has stopped loving. I want you to know the opposite is the case. You may be running from him, but he's not chasing you to judge you. He's coming after you because he wants you to know that he loves you. He cares about you and that he's the only one who can help you. So stop running. Don't run from him, run to him. Maybe you're even in a relationship. Maybe your marriage is struggling and they're going through something that's difficult. And maybe because you're so frustrated because you feel like you've failed so much, your inclination is just separation. You're just thinking, I just want space. I just want to move away instead of realizing, no, 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 don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Lean in and go, how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? How can God help me? How can God work through me? How can he strengthen my marriage? I don't want to run from it. I want to lean into it. Maybe I have a relationship with a son or daughter. It's grown cold. Maybe look at it and go, I failed as a dad. I mean, I failed as a mom. Look, this relationship. that My kid doesn't even want to have a relationship with me. And, and so you just allow space. You allow space. And it's getting colder and colder and colder and more and more distant. Don't run from it. Lean into it. How can I be a better dad? How can I be a better mom? Listen, I love you too much to give up on you. I'm not giving up on you. Listen, you, you, you can't run away from me because I'm going to stay with you. I love you. And I can't Don't run from it. Run to it. Don't give in. Don't run away. Don't give up. Lean in. Why? Because it's never too late for a comeback. Do you believe that today? It's never too late for a comeback. Let me look at this third and this final thing. We see it in his relationship here with with Jesus. We see this in the story of Simon Peter, not only that he failed and that he fled, but thirdly, that he was forgiven. So he goes back to what he's used to. goes back to his old ways because he doesn't know what to do. All that he knows is that he's failed. All that he knows is that he talked a big game, but he didn't come through. He knows he disappointed himself. He disappointed his friends. He disappointed his Savior. And so he's on the run. And then when Jesus rises from the grave, he sends a messenger to go and tell his disciples that he's alive and that he's going to go ahead of them into Galilee, go and meet him there. And I love the way God leads this messenger to communicate this story. Look at what it says in Mark chapter 16, verse 7. The messenger says to those followers, he says, but go and tell his disciples, and look at these next two words, and Peter. Don't you love it? because he had to put that emphasis in there because you know Peter would have been thinking he's talking about everybody else. He's not talking about me. That, that Jesus wanting to get together with those who worship him, who love him, who, who stay committed to him. But he can't be told me because I looked up and I saw his eyes and I knew that I disappointed him. I knew that I failed him. I, I knew that I wasn't right. I knew that I had done wrong. And so Jesus is now risen from the grave. And he's saying, I want to go and meet you. I want to get together with my followers. And Peter's like, there's no way. And so the message says, go and tell his disciples and especially, yes, you too, Simon Peter. And can I tell you today that that's God's word for you? Listen, God's comeback is not just for the person on your left. That's a good person on your left, but that's not, that's God's comeback is just for them. God's comeback isn't just for the person on your right. That's a good person on your right. They may need a good comeback. Can I tell you, it's not just for them. It's not just for the person in front of you. It's not just for the person behind you. Can you just insert your name in there right now and know that God has a comeback, not just for everybody else, but God has a comeback for your story, for your heart and your life. He wants you to receive it. Don't run from him for Peter. He not only forgave Peter, he restored Peter and he said, Peter, I want you to be the leader in the church, the worldwide church that I'm about to launch. He said, you're my first round draft pick. Peter had to be thinking, I know you're not talking about me. That's how we all feel. This stuff is for everybody, it's not for me. No, it's for you. It says that in the book of Acts, as they're launching the church, it says that Peter got up and preached, and it says that about 3,000 people got saved. What a change from I don't even know the man to now he's getting up and he's proclaiming the name that is above every name and there's such an anointing, there's such a calling, there's such a moving of God's power through that 3,000 people, God say, how many guys know that that's a story of comeback and it's not a story limited to Simon Peter but God wants to restore you and use you not only for your own heart but for the sake of others that you will reach. You don't have the luxury of throwing in the towel. Listen, that marriage is dependent on you not giving up. That relationship with your children is dependent on you not giving up. You can't just look at your finances and say, I'll never figure this out. I can never get on top of it. I can never get ahead. The devil is a liar. You can have a comeback if you will simply not give up. We all can relate to Simon Peter's failure, but God wants you to relate to his comeback. He wants you to say, I'm not going to run from God. I'm going to run to him. What does that look like? Let me give you three closing thoughts. Number one is this. How you view your failure will affect how you experience your comeback. How you view your failure will affect how you experience your comeback. Let me say it this way. Your attitude towards your failure is critically important. Come on, you have to understand that what you did then is not who you are now. You have to understand that your past mistakes do not have to dictate or define your future life. Hear this, your best days can be ahead of you and your brightest days your future if you will simply frame up and look at your failures from the past rightly. God wants you to learn from the past, but he wants you to live for the future. See, it's important that you learn from the past because if you say, well, I've, I, I haven't been able to handle relationships well or, or I find myself going back to same habits of addiction or I find myself going back to my old ways, I find myself going back. Listen, that's not good. You don't have to stay there. God doesn't want you to live there, but you can learn from that. Learn from that and move forward. I love it said this way. You've heard that Thomas Edison accredited with with, uh, inventing the light bulb. You've heard about the thousands of times that he failed. Literally, I've heard that that he had 10,000 unsuccessful attempts to invent the light bulb. When he was asked how it felt to fail 10,000 times, he replied, I haven't failed. I've discovered 10,000 ways that do not work. What are you learning from the past? Sometimes we win, and sometimes we learn. In our society, we celebrate the wins, we highlight the victories, but we often overlook the steps of failure that made the victory possible. Your past failures can become your stepping stones towards your comeback. Secondly, number two, your comeback is not only possible, but it's predictable. What do you mean by that, Scotty? Your comeback is not only possible, it's predictable. What I'm meaning is, I don't want you to leave here today thinking, I'm going to cross my fingers and hope that maybe... I can experience a comeback. No, when we're talking about a comeback from God and that only he can provide, it's not something I'm hoping for or wishing for and I'm just just hoping and praying, maybe, maybe, maybe it can happen. This is something that I can bake on. Why? Because as a follower of Jesus, I don't have to worry and I don't have to wonder. My comeback is based on his comeback. It's based on not my strength, but his strength. And here's the best way that you can predict your future. Write it. The best way you can predict the future is to say, by the grace of God, I know where I've been, but by the help of the Lord, I know where I'm going. And you script it out and you write it out and you say, this is what is to come. And I'm not talking about pie in the sky. I'm not talking about you just making stuff up. I'm talking about because of the fact that we believe his comeback has made mine possible. It's not just possible, it's predictable. Third and finally, it's this. What do I do? What do I go from here? I see the mountain that I have to climb. I see where I am and where I want to be. What do I do next? Number three, take the next right step. That's as simple as it gets. Did you know that in Simon Peter's story and In the book of John, when you go back to it, and we won't take time to read that whole passage right now, but when you go back to John, I will give you the reference if you'd like to see it. John chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. It says that Jesus came, and this is after the resurrection, and he's standing on the shore. And it says in in the book of John, it says, the one that Jesus loved said to Peter, which is funny that it says the one that Jesus loved because the one who was saying it was John. So it's funny that he refers to himself. Come on, don't you know that's funny? The one that Jesus liked the most said. You know. But so he says that John says to Simon Peter, that's the Lord. And They were out there on that boat and Simon Peter looked up and, and he realized not only that God had sent the message, says, go and get my disciples and Peter, but now he realizes that God has come to him. He's in, he's out there fishing, gone back to what he was used to. I wonder how many times he'd throw off that net and remember his failures. Man, Jesus even warned me. He told me that this was gonna happen. Man, here I'm such a tough guy, I'm such a strong guy, but I wasn't man enough to stand up to a girl. Who asked me about knowing Jesus, I was so embarrassed and ashamed, I denied it, but I'm supposed to be so tough. Come on, you've had that happen before, haven't? When you failed and you're rewinding it in your mind over and over, how did I get here? Why can't I kick this habit? Why do I keep going back to this pattern? Why don't I get out of this relationship? Why don't I step out and trust God? And rehearsing it over and over and over and over and over. And then lo and behold, look what happens. Here he is rehearsing all of his failure. And who makes up all of that distance? Jesus does. And he's standing right there and he's like, what's up, guys? How's the fishing? They said, not so great. Hadn't caught anything. Jesus said, throw the net on the right side of the boat. Like, who is he? I don't know, man. Just try it. They throw it on the right side of the boat and catch such a large, miraculous catch. They're having a trouble getting it in. And I think that Jesus was just showing hey, I can do stuff that you think is impossible, Simon Peter. Even help you experience a comeback. He can't get it in. He looks and John says, Simon, it's the Lord. And it says that Simon Peter, Simon Peter jumped out of the boat. And it says that he just starts going after it, trying to get to Jesus. Why? Because when you have failed, you're so hungry for a comeback. You're so desperate for a comeback. That when there's a little break in the clouds and an opportunity, he jumps out and goes. The next verse says, and the others stayed in the boat and began to just come back. They're like, we're cool. We'll just stay in the boat. But now Simon Peter, he's going after Jesus. And I just want to say to you today, run to him, not from him. If it be true that there would be a million miles between you and God, maybe you've done so much bad stuff, so much perverted stuff, so much twisted stuff, so much dark stuff, so much shameful stuff. Maybe you feel like a failure in so many ways, and you're and press it down. You're going back to what you know to do. You're trying to self-made man. You're trying to carry it all and be your own woman, take care of. You're trying to do everything that you can. Well, what you're going to quickly realize is that you can never stage your own comeback. You can't get it done by yourself. And if you limit yourself and think, well, I can't even forgive myself. Then we've made ourselves more important and more significant than God. Who am I to say I'm not worthy to be forgiven when he says you are? So what I'm saying is, don't you believe the lies of the enemy that God doesn't love you and he can't clean your life up, that he can't give you a fresh start? Listen, Jesus came back. He made up that whole distance, but guess what? He left that last jump for Simon Peter. If it be true that there are a million miles between you and God, he makes up the whole difference, but check this out. He wants you to take that last step and just to fall into his arms. Don't run from him. Run to him. Don't think that he's given up on you. He hasn't given up on you. He loves you. You say, take the, take the next right step. What does that mean? It means if you're away from God, take that final step and fall into his arms. If your marriage is struggling, you're going through something that's difficult, what's your next step? The next right step is go get counseling as a couple. Don't give up on that. Don't run away from it. Step into it. Lean into it. Next step, go get a counselor. I talk to so many people who will say they tried counseling. We went to a counselor. I'm just not for that. I didn't understand. It didn't help us at all. Look, if I'm sick and I go to a doctor and he can't figure it out, I'm going to be like, cool. Next, can you figure this out? I'm not going to sit back and say, well, he couldn't figure it out. I guess I'll just be sick and die. I'm going to be like, if you can't figure it out, can you figure it out? If you can't figure it out, can you figure it out? Because I want to live. Listen, your marriage needs to live. What's your next right step? Just get some help. Maybe you're bound with addictions. Don't just say, this is who I am. I'll never be free of this. Yes, you can. Next step, go and get help. Talk to somebody in your small group that you're a part of. Go to a counselor. Go to a doctor. Get help. Your finances are in shambles. See a financial advisor. Don't just say, I can't do this. I give up. Take a next step. You've probably heard us talk about growth track here a lot at People's Church. We talk about it all the time. You say, why is it such a big deal? Because we believe in steps. We believe in taking next steps. That's what Growth Track is all about. It's about saying we know that where we are, we're thankful for it, but it's not where we want to stay. God wants us to move forward, He wants us to progress. Growth Track is set up just for that to help you take your next step. And knowing God and growing in Him, discovering who you are and His purpose for your life, and making a difference. May the 6th, it's going to be the kickoff of the next Growth Track series. Jump into that. Get into that. Just take the next right step. As I close, I get it that Satan wants to tell you that because of your failure, you're not worthy of a comeback. He wants you to think that you don't deserve another chance. Can we just be honest? He's right. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy of it. He wants me to think, hey, you can't be the husband you ought to be. You can't be the dad you ought to be. You can't be the mom you ought to be. You know what? To a degree, he's right on my own. I can't be who I'm supposed to be. He wants me to think that I'm stuck, Now I'm paralyzed, and there's no way out to a degree. He's right, but here's the little bit of part that's missing. This is the same trash talk he was doing around the cross. Whenever Jesus was arrested, he's like, See? This is going just like I had it planned. When Jesus was being beaten, he said to the demons, did I not tell you we would do? Did I not tell you we would figure this? Did I not tell you we could win? When they nailed him to a cross, they were celebrating. All of hell was rejoicing. Where's the king now? Where's the savior now? He's nailed to the cross when they put him in the tomb and they rolled the stone in front of the grave. The devil thought, we have won, we victorious. There's no way for a comeback. But how many of you know that three days later, the stone was removed and Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, the greatest comeback of all time. And listen, because he had a comeback, you and I can have a comeback too. The question is, will you step into it and receive it?